Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Reckless speculation. Actually, welcome into the bonus scoop. Judd Declan Doogie with you on this Tuesday, two days from the NFL draft, which means... The reckless speculation, not just on this show, but in the NFL world right now, is out of freaking control, and it's fantastic. And a lot of it is just thrown out there, and we can't confirm or don't know it, but we don't care about that. But there is one thing Dukes and I have both heard, and Darren, I'm going to turn it over to you because I find this to be intriguing. What can you tell us about the Vikings and Hendon Hooker, which of course has been rumored now for weeks, but I think you can advance it just a little bit. Well, sure. Good afternoon, Judd. Hello, Declan. Yes, based on a tip that you sent my way, you said, hey, Dukes, check on this. I certainly did. That the Vikings earlier this month spent some additional time with Hendon Hooker. Now, I don't Mm -hmm. have specific details on, like, location. Now, he did not visit Egan, that I can tell you. Mm -hmm. So, in terms of specific location, I can tell you, it wasn't a TCO performance center. But the bottom line remains that the Vikings have done incredible homework on Hendon Hooker, but not just Hendon Hooker, a number of these draft-eligible quarterbacks. I mean, going back, what, six, eight weeks, Judd, I'm like, well, maybe they take a quarterback now, but, you know, sometime in the next two drafts, I was thinking, well, maybe they wait until 2024. I am more convinced than ever that before this week is over, the Vikings end up with a draft-eligible 2023 quarterback I just don't know who it is. I think all scenarios truly are on the table. Like, I don't think there's any one scenario where we can say, no way, no how, when it comes to landing a quarterback. There are scenarios where I think we can say, okay, no. Like, I don't think the Vikings are drafting an offensive tackle with their first pick, right? So there are scenarios we can eliminate. But in terms of how they will land a quarterback later this week, I think all scenarios are in play. So, Dukes, I think this came out since last time we talked, and it's a few reports that the Vikings are actually or have at least made phone calls to Houston on the second overall pick and Arizona on the third pick. And both those picks sound like they are very possibly going to be moved. What can you tell us about that? Because that that would put the Vikings in, like, rare air to target a guy like C.J. Stroud, who I think that they do like but that would also be at a very expensive price. So what have you heard about the legitimacy of the Vikings actually trying to move up to the second or third overall pick on Thursday? 
I'll just say this, Judd. I would be very, very surprised. Let's just go two varies, not four or five or eight. The aggregators want to know, so that's two? Yeah, yeah, I know. That's just two. Two. Okay, yeah. aggregators, two. two. Very, I'd be very, very, very surprised if very they calendar. go up as high as two to Houston or three Arizona. I'm yeah. not seeing 0% chance, right? Because I said, as far as I can tell, when it comes to the quarterback, every scenario is in play. But I'm just telling you, I would be very, very surprised if they go from 23 to two. What sort of draft capital are we talking about there? So we're talking about pick 23. We're talking about the 2024 first-round pick, yep. the 2025 first-round pick, your 2024 second-round pick, and or pick 87 this year. Is that even enough? Declan, you might have one of the charts in front of you, but I just know in terms of draft capital, to go from 23 to 3 or yep. 23 to 2, it would take a significant amount of assets, maybe even a current player, young current player you know something along those lines right like look at what it took for carolina just to jump what eight spots nine to one giving up a really good young receiver in dj Moore plus draft capital to move up eight slots i just i don't foresee them jumping up 20 or 21 slots go ahead Dick. Dukes, what about just potentially them jumping up maybe in the later teens? Obviously, then it's not as daunting, right? It doesn't cost you as pretty of a penny as future draft picks or multiple first-round picks. Let me uh, rephrase that. Is there a scenario you can maybe see if one of those quarterbacks does fall? Will Levis and Anthony Richardson maybe in the the late teens, that 14 to 18 range? Is that more of a realistic possibility in your mind? Absolutely. Yes, Declan, that is more realistic. I still think trade back or trade up still would – Put a little bit of money on trade backwards, not up. But like, hey, when somebody like Peter King, who has myriad sources, when he mocks earlier this week the Vikings landing Anthony Richardson, I think it was a slight trade up. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. It wasn't. He had Richardson falling all the way to 23. Okay, well, I'll tell you this, you know, for a name drop, I told you guys a couple weeks ago I'd be catching up with former Vikings GM Rick Spielman. Now, hey, I get it. I had a bunch of people in my mentions because I put a clip on social media. I'll put the entire conversation on a new Scoop podcast before the day is over or before the draft starts. It might be tomorrow, not today, the entire 28-minute conversation. I got some resistance because people are like, Rick doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to evaluating quarterbacks. Well, what Rick does know, a lot of people in the league. Right. He knows what's going on to an extent. He's got his finger on the pulse of happenings. He told me that he had a conversation with the Florida head coach who told him the other day that there are 20 teams that currently have Anthony Richardson as a second round pick or lower. Now there are 10 teams or so that have Anthony Richardson with the first round grade, but a majority of the league per what Rick Spielman told me have Anthony Richardson as a guy you do not take in the first round. I don't know if the Vikings have a first round grade on him or if it's a second-round grade, or lower. But that just tells you that there is a scenario, right, depending on if some of these other quarterback-needy teams get somebody else, a Levis, a Stroud, a Young, potentially a hooker. I think there is a scenario where Peter King isn't necessarily off, that Richardson could get all the way to pick 23. Now, depending on how the board shakes out, do the Vikings pull the trigger? If he's sitting there, but let's say Deontay Banks, the quarterback from Maryland, is sitting there. Let's say the wide receiver from Ohio State, who they had in for a visit, 
Banks was also in for a visit. Jackson Smith and the Jigba, right? I mean, I don't know, like, which direction they go. That's where I'm saying there's all sorts of scenarios in play. The interior defensive lineman from Pitt, Cansey. I think I'm saying the last name right. Like, he's another guy they really, really like. Branch from Alabama, I guess I'd be mildly surprised, but another first-round type prospect they had in for, for a visit. Jordan Addison, the wide receiver from USC. This probably won't come as a surprise, but the buzz is he thoroughly enjoyed his visit. There is a lot of appeal to being that number two receiver next to Justin Jefferson, to playing oh, yeah. in a Kevin O'Connell offense. Yep. Trust me, a lot of these draft prospects are well aware of those NFLPA ratings that say being a Minnesota Viking is a really, really good thing compared to being an Arizona Cardinal or you name the other. <laughs> or a Bengal. And they're good? The sure. Absolutely, right? That the Vikings take really, really good care of their players. So I'm just telling you, like the buzz is Jordan Addison would love to be a Viking. So I don't know if all those guys or some of those guys are sitting there, but Richardson is also sitting there, which direction they go. I can tell you they spent considerable time with Richardson in Indianapolis. They did have scouting representation at his pro day. It wasn't Quasey or Kevin O'Connell, but trust me, they've done a lot of homework on Anthony Richardson. They've done a lot of homework on all these draft-eligible quarterbacks. That's why I've been on the train for weeks saying, yeah, it's pointing to them pulling the trigger on some quarterback this week. I got to think, Dukes, that if Richardson starts to fall and gets into the teens and potentially late teens, that one of those 10 teams that probably has a first-round grade on him is going to trade up and get him. I will say this, too. If the Vikings aren't going to take him, at if he's there and falls to 23, and the Vikings decide to pass, I got to think at that point, they trade back and get more picks and probably trade with, with a team that would take Richardson at 23. So, like, I do think that that is the – and I agree completely. I think they've got scenarios here. Like, I, I don't think that this is – if we don't get this on Thursday, it's over. Let's shut down the office and go home. I think they probably have a multitude of scenarios in play here. But one is if they're out on a, a quarterback at 23 – I got to think that that's where you actually get a pretty good trade and potentially get a second round pick back. Well, like well you that trade... would be the idea, right? Right, when exactly. You're not picking until 87. And hey, I would do the TJ Hawkinson trade. Again, the idea is oh, yeah. TJ Hawkinson will be here Agreed. for many more years. They will sign him good trade. to a contract extension, but that's why you don't have a two. So 23 to 87, that's an incredibly long time to wait. Only two picks yep. in the top 100. You want more than two swings. Yep. in the top 100. So certainly, Judd, I can promise you, in Egan, that is one of these scenarios that they have discussed, that we need to accumulate more picks, that if we have the ability to move back from 23, net whatever pick it is, then an additional pick before 87, let's do that. But I can also promise you, there have been discussions about, yes, if the right quarterback starts to slide, or potentially Najigba or Banks, or the Pittsburgh defensive lineman, or it could be somebody else that, hey, let's move up. I just, I'm telling you, moving up 21 or 20 slots, mm-hmm. that would surprise me. But moving up eight slots, six slots, that wouldn't necessarily surprise me. Dukes, any uh, updates on the Dalvin Cook front? I saw Albert Breer from SI had a note that if they, if the Vikings were to draft a running back potentially on day one or day two of the draft, that 
There could be a resolution or an ending of the Dalvin Cook era potentially in Minnesota. Is there any uh, new updates you've heard on that front? Well, the name to keep an eye on is not Bijan Robinson. It's Jameer Gibbs, the running back from Alabama. And like going back even 72 to 96 hours, I would have told you I'd be surprised if the first pick for the Vikings, whether it's early Friday that they move entirely out of the first round on Thursday or it's late on Thursday, I would have told you as recently as three to four days ago, really, really hard to see running back. Well, it sounds like they've done a good amount of work on Jameer Gibbs. So that would be the running back that fits into that wheelhouse, like late first, early second. Bottom line on Dalvin Cook, I'll continue to say, I don't see him here week one. I don't necessarily know how it unfolds. I know there's some betting lines out there saying the betting favorite is not Miami, but Philadelphia. Hmm. But he could end up in Philly, but you know Miami's been bandied about. If Atlanta doesn't go with Bijan Robinson early on Thursday, there's some steam on that. But Atlanta is absolutely in the market for a running back. They have not added a running back. They had some interest early in Alexander Madison, some of these other guys that were on the market in March. So I just I feel like Atlanta is going to do something, but it might be as simple as hey, this Texas running back is an all-world talent. Let's just pull the trigger with our first-round pick right. on Thursday night. But Atlanta would be another team. You know, Buffalo's been tossed about. Jacksonville, potentially. But bottom line, I just don't see Dalvin Cook here come week one. Last uh, Vikings thing for me, uh, Darren, is this. If, like, let's just say for the sake of this conversation that there is complete chaos, and let's say the Vikings trade up, and let's say the Vikings take Stroud at two or three, that's the only scenario in which I think you're probably going to have worked out or at least talked to Kirk about a potential trade. Because I think if it's Hooker, Richardson, I think they all sit, right? And Kirk plays out the last year, and he might not be thrilled, but he's not going to be a bad employee. He just won't be thrilled. That's fine. But that being said, if they go, like, if it's still in the realm possibility that, like, C.J. Stroud is a guy they've identified and are willing to make the type of trade that you doubt, rightfully so, they would make. That causes, to me, an incredibly interesting conundrum because I don't see Kirk here with the quarterback drafted second or third overall on Thursday night. I would agree. Now, Kirk is not going to be, as you mentioned, Judd, from what I can gather, a bad employee, yeah, a sour apple, right? That if it is Hendon Hooker or Anthony Richardson, he'd be fine in that quarterback room. Plus, we have mentioned it's not necessarily Kirk's job to completely mentor his successor, that Kevin O'Connell, Wes Phillips, others with the Vikings would have their fingerprints all over that young quarterback. Have you heard? I mean, like Bryce Young is going one, right, to Carolina. I haven't necessarily heard the Will Levis steam the last couple weeks. So I imagine if in that long, long shot of them moving up to two or three, Judd, I would imagine it's the Ohio State quarterback Stroud that it's not Will Levis. Now, is the betting line still favoring Will Levis at pick two? Dex, that the idea that. is in Houston is taking Levis at pick two, but that somebody is going to trade up to that slot? Declan, have you looked at the betting lines his, as uh, of 12-15 central time here on Tuesday? His line has gone up more that he's potentially the guy that will go, yes, on, on or, the second overall pick. Or one now, because there is a, you'll love this, a Reddit thread out there today that he's telling people Carolina's going to take him. 
Yeah, Will Levis is telling people that yes. Carolina is going to and it's him? influenced the betting lines. True or not, I have no well, idea. I mean, how much were the betting lines influenced by that draft network report? Don't remember the author. Haven't heard of him. Doesn't mean he doesn't have some sources. But he wrote earlier this week, was it Sunday or Monday, about the Vikings poking around, moving up as high as two or three, right? So was the line influenced by that draft network report? Probably. Like I don't know. I mean, morsels. Yes, it probably was. Vegas oftentimes knows way more than any of us, right? So who am I to doubt Vegas? That is very interesting, though, that Will Levis at the moment, now it may shift in the next 24 hours, but that as we sit here on Tuesday early afternoon, that Will Levis is the betting favorite to go two overall. But I'm with you, Judd. If it happens to be the Vikings, if they somehow move all the way up to two or three, that it's more likely Stroud, not Levis. Now, I always say this every single year. I do not have access. Sometimes they've brought us in for post-draft reviews where they've actually shown us their board to some extent. Or you That's can read the old Vikings, the lines Darren. And stuff. That's not these Vikings. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, they did a draft review last year. We did not see the board. That was the old Vikings, not this regime. But they did bring us in for a thorough breakdown on, hey, here's why. We selected Lewis scene. Here's why we like right. Andrew Booth Jr. Some extensive film work that, that a few of us were, were privy to. But yeah, maybe not the board. So I don't know how they have their board stacked. So I'm reading the tea leaves to a lot of extent, right? But my sense would be if they move all the way up to two or three, Judd, that I'm with you, that it's Stroud, not Levis. Yeah, and I think Stroud is a guy who can start immediately. So that that's why the the Kirk thing, they, they probably would not want to burn his first year of his five-year contract with, you know, a guy like uh, Hooker, you definitely would. And plus, he is, as we know, coming off an ACL. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines, and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Timberwolves. Um, There's a good chance that people might be watching this after, what, Game 5, which is going to be played Tuesday night in Denver. There's a chance the Wolves Season will be done at that point, but Ant Edwards saved the day in Game Four. Um, in the in the continuing conversation, and I don't even know it's a debate about this needs to be Ant's team. Is this his team? I don't think anything spoke stronger than two things. One is performance in Game Four, which he just basically took control. Um, and two, the post game where he talked about going over a, to a despondent cat's house with teammates to try and pep cat up now cat has continually said this is my team i do this i do do that but the fact that ant told you know a few of his teammates hey we're gonna go help this guy uh just continues down the track of whose team this has become and the importance of him being the main guy as far as at least the heartbeat of the timberwolves goes yeah i mean think about the end of game four on sunday night end of regulation that is there's Carl Anthony Towns standing in the corner, play designed for Ant. Now the ball got stripped. 
didn't even get a shot off. Now, he did miss 15 shots yep. on Sunday, but when it mattered the most, right? I mean, end of regulation, it would have been nice to win in regulation, convert there at the very end, but you knew you had overtime in your back pocket. So the biggest moment was up one, 11 seconds left, right? Makes the three to make it a two-possession game. That was the ultimate dagger, right? So he came through again. We saw an evolution last year in the postseason against Memphis. We're seeing more of an evolution now. There's still an evolution that needs to take place, right? Shot selection, you know, not missing 15 shots, right? Not shooting 40% from the field. Still, the body needs work, right, from a conditioning standpoint. But he's only 21 years old. We see it, Judd. He's the alpha. This is Anthony Edwards' team. They need to build around Anthony moving forward. What that means for Cat and or Rudy for the next couple of years remains to be seen. But we know this much. This is Anthony Edwards' team. And, yeah, I mean, it probably ends in Game 5. Hard to imagine Denver losing on its home court, right? No Kyle Anderson, so unfortunate. You know, inadvertent elbow to the eye with Anthony Edwards. There was concern about Kyle getting on the airplane just with the air pressure and all that, the cabin pressure. And so they didn't want him flying to Denver. It may even be a pretty serious eye injury, but I just know in the moment, you know, him hopping on an airplane, you know, heck, 14 hours later. I mean, they left at what, 1, 2 o'clock on Monday afternoon, Mm -hmm. right? By the time he left the locker room late Sunday night, I mean, just quick turnaround. But there was concern about him flying to Denver with the altitude and, and the cabin pressure and all that. But, like, you miss Kyle Anderson, your sixth man. Just hard to envision the Wolves winning game five. We've seen weirder things. But, yeah, I mean, I'd like to think that Denver probably ends the Wolves season later tonight. But, yeah, I mean, the offseason needs to be geared around how do we help Anthony Edwards to the extreme? He is the one, if we are going to get to the promised land, which for the Wolves is pretty much, hey, let's just get to the second round of the playoffs for the first time since 2004, right? We're not saying win a championship, maybe one day with Anthony Edwards as the alpha. But for right now, the promised land for the Wolves would be to advance past the first round. We need to do everything we have to do to help Anthony Edwards. He will sign a maximum extension this summer. I've not heard any fears of, you know, Edwards asking for a trade, anything crazy like that. You find me the guy coming off his rookie contract who turns down the max. It just doesn't happen. He will take the max. The Wolves will sign him to that max extension this summer. But, yes, everything has to be about how do we help Anthony Edwards. We saw another evolution on Sunday night. Uh, Duke's just watching Mike Connolly uh, play here in these few, few games. He's just been, you know, everything I think D'Lo wasn't uh, a professional guy who can really orchestrate the offense a little bit more, facilitate things. There was that viral clip where he's basically pointing out the switch and pick and roll that he's about to execute and whatnot. Uh, I got to imagine, I know he's up there in age, but I got to imagine the Wolves love having him around. And he's a, he's a much needed other veteran voice in that room for them. Yeah, they do. I mean, we all love having him around. I mean, it's late on Friday night. He knows that a bunch of us are on some sort of deadline. Like, Wolf's PR is like, ah, he can go shower. He'll talk to you guys in 15 or 20 minutes. Mike's like, I'll do it now. Like, just that kind of guy. Just such a good dude. 
And then I had to scramble and go get somebody else in the locker room. But I saw Dane Moore, John Krasinski, Jace Frederick, able to hold court with Mike. Just, you know, wasn't necessarily on the record, but just, you know, a nice conversation. Like Mike was standing there when I'm sure he wanted to get to the shower, get home, play Call of Duty, whatever. Right. He's standing there just going through different sequences during the game. Right. He's just he's such a good dude. Such a good dude. But you're right. I mean, just what he brings on the court in terms of his leadership, his decision-making, although he did take one shot in game four too early in the shot clock, right? So, you know, you can nitpick a little bit, but he is so dynamic. The synergy he has with Rudy Gobert, we've seen that on display. Just the subtle things he does defensively, he's such a better fit than D'Angelo Russell. That's why I can see a scenario where if the Wolves lose game five, so they're done, they lose four games to one, okay, how do we look at this offseason? Will they blow it up? Will anything crazy happen? Okay, we know Jalen Noel is going to leave as a free agent. Nas Reed, they've tried for months to extend him. They'll continue to try to extend him. So we'll see how the Nas Reed situation plays out. But they do want Nas Reed here for the next few years. But we know Jalen Noel will leave as a free agent. Torian Prince has a non-guaranteed deal. So if you want to free up some money, you could do something with Prince. right? But like the main core, I can see a scenario where you know, it's back that they can say, okay, we have a full season next year of Mike Conley Jr. Cat missed 52 games this year. Torian Prince missed 20-something games with the shoulder injury. Jordan McLaughlin missed double-digit games. Even Jalen Noel missed, what, 16, 17 games. Like, we had so many different injuries. Now, Nas Reed and Jada McDaniels at the end of the year. Rudy Gobert missed his share of games during the year. I mean, during the regular season, outside of Jada McDaniels and Anthony Edwards, just about every core guy missed a good amount of time. And so I could see the Wolves saying, you know what? We're going to run this thing back. We're not all that far away from our preseason goal of being a top-four team in the Western Conference, having home court in the first round of the playoffs. Let's bring back this core and figure out a way to keep these guys healthy for the 23-24 season. I think the most important question, I, I guess, for Chris Finch, too, is this. Um, how do you get a far more consistent effort, too? I mean, how many times did he have to go to his post-game press conferences and talk about a letdown, you know, we didn't play the entire game, and or we played great last night, two nights after, played a crappy game. So I, I guess my biggest question for Finch is how do you get, because, I mean, that's partially coaching, too. It's partially character of the team. But, you know, Dukes, I think that was the most disappointing thing. And, and Conley certainly could help that. But it was a lack of a consistent professional effort that you need from a team if you are going to go near, for instance, 50 wins. That would be my question for Finch. Yeah, and it's a fair question. Remember, last year against Memphis, this time last year, they blew three fourth-quarter double-digit leads. Yep. Well, we thought, okay, that's something they need to work on. Heading into this year, outside of Portland, no team in the NBA has blown more double-digit leads this year. Think about the playing game a couple Tuesdays ago at Los Angeles against the Lakers. Yep. Up double digits fourth quarter. You lose the game. Heck, think about as we watch the Lakers having all sorts of success against Memphis. Doesn't mean the Wolves would be up 3-1 against Memphis, but if the Wolves hold on, they're up double digits against the Lakers. The Wolves are playing the Grizzlies right now, not the Nuggets. The Grizzlies would have been a much more favorable matchup. Heck, I think the Wolves would have had a good shot to beat Memphis. I'm not surprised 
that the Lakers are up three to one. And I get it. The Lakers with LeBron, Anthony Davis, and so on. D'Angelo Russell made a couple big threes last night, right? right? It's different. But I just I think the Wolves with their personnel would have matched up very well. No Brandon Clark, no Steven Adams for Memphis. I just think Memphis would have been a much more favorable matchup, right? But they blow that game against the Lakers, right? Think about Sunday night, Judd. Up 12 with two minutes and 38 seconds to run. go. And they nearly blew the game. They blew the lead. I mean, that counts as another blown double-digit fourth-quarter lead, mm-hmm. right? So we've seen this pattern far too long. So your inquiry, your question to Chris is a very, very fair one. I still, though, think Chris is back. That if you want to say this is Chris's fault, it's time to cut the cord, you're entitled to that opinion. That's fine. You can make a case for that, that they should fire Chris Finch after this season. I'm just telling you, the reality of the situation is, until I hear otherwise, I just know Glenn Taylor was not real thrilled to be paying Tom Thibodeau for the one year that Tibbs sat out and did TV. You know, there's offset language in the in the contract, and so when Tibbs took the New York job, okay, good to go. But Chris right. Finch signed a four-year extension last April, one year ago. I just can't foresee for the life of me Glenn Taylor paying off that contract to bring in who? I mean, would Nick Nurse, probably the best coach out there right now, would Nick Nurse be a big-time upgrade over Chris Finch? By the way, one of Chris Finch's close friends? I don't think he'd take this job. Well, okay, well, there you go. All right. You know, like, I thought Nick Nurse may end up in Houston, that Udoka might end up in Toronto, but Udoka now is the new coach of of the Rockets. Don't know who the Pistons end up with, but the Pistons are ready to take that next step. Maybe Nick Nurse makes some sense in Detroit, or maybe he just sits out. But I'm just saying, like, to me, Nick Nurse is the best current head coach available. Yep. Is Nick Nurse some sort of upgrade over Chris Finch? What am I missing? I, I don't necessarily see that. I just, to me, Chris Finch is back. Glenn Taylor doesn't want to cut the check to pay the money. Right, Glenn can be influenced. So if Mark Laurie says, "Hey, Glenn, we got to do this, this, this," sure, Glenn can be influenced. But I'm just telling you, I have a hard time believing that Glenn Taylor is willing to cut that check to fire Chris Finch. Final scoop, sir. Let's wrap it up. Well, look for the Twins later today to call up Brock Stewart, who's been pitching very well for the St. Paul Saints. Cool story. The last time he pitched in the big leagues, September of 2019, has some experience in the big leagues with the Dodgers. And Blue Jays underwent Tommy John surgery May of 2021. It's been a long, long journey. So really cool story for Brock Stewart to be back in the big leagues. But you look at his numbers, his velo, everything at AAA with the Saints, very, very well deserved. The Twins announced yesterday Bailey Ober down, so they have not filled the Bailey Ober spot. What is somewhat interesting is Brock Stewart will need to be added to the 40-man roster. So do they make a move of Kyle Garlick yet again? Like, what is the 40-man move? Maybe it's McGill, who is struggling mightily in St. Paul. So maybe you just kick McGill to the curb. If he passes through, you bring him back, outright him off the 40-man roster. But they will have to create a 40-man spot for Brock Stewart. Great stuff, sir. We will uh, talk to you Thursday. Early, I believe, because that will be the day of the draft. And hopefully by then there will be a bit more chaos because this promises to be a fun draft. Appreciate the knowledge as always, though, Dukes. 
You have a great one, and we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. And still Park Tavern on Thursday night. I imagine the Wolves aren't playing on Thursday. I guess there's a chance. Yeah, there's a chance. If the Wolves play on Thursday, I'll need to be at Target Center. But if the Wolves season is over. Come join us. Later tonight, I may join you after a little Drugie baseball practice. So, yeah. Sounds good, man. Park Tavern, you may see me on Thursday in person. Awesome. Okay. See you, boys. Bye-bye.